Good morning. My name's Emily. I am part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. So I want to welcome you here this morning. Thank you for being with us. Um, Part of our role here on this team is to get up in front of you every week and talk about money. Um, We do this because the work of Friends Church is very important in the community. We really believe in what we do here. And in order to continue to uh, make a difference in our world and um, gather people together, we need your help in funding what we do. Everything that uh, Friends Church does runs on the generous donations of our community. And so we're just asking you to partner with us. Um, We have opportunities for you to give on a one-time basis. Um, or you can give on a monthly pre-authorized basis, which we actually really love if you would consider doing that. Um, pre-authorized giving allows us to budget and plan well and uh, make sure that we're making the best use of all of the uh, generosity that you give to us. So you can give, if you're here in person, to our black box that's at the back of the room. Uh, you can go on our website um, or you can use our app. Um, any of those are... Um, options that are greatly appreciated. Community groups are also starting up here at Friends Church this year. We're very excited about this. Um, We've I mean, been living for almost two solid years now with isolation and distance from each other being the name of the game. And we think it's really, really important to maintain connection with the people around us. Um, Our community connection groups are a great way to do that. We have groups that gather around all kinds of different interests and passions. um, And we'd love for you to um, make some connection, actually meet some people and spend some time Connecting, which is something that we've just really been missing. Uh, if you go to our website, friendschurch.ca slash groups, you will find a listing of all of the community groups that are out there right now. Um, I encourage you to take a look, find one that kind of lights your fire, and come and check it out. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thanks, Emily. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Friends Church. For you who are here, I'd like all the people on, uh, who are watching us live right now, I picked this shirt for you. My stream team all says when I wear a black all the time, I just look like a floating head with hands. So they requested I find nicer clothing. It's good to know that people like to talk about my outfits, but whatever. <laughs> Today, the talk is one of those good news, bad news talks. So I'm going to talk about how amazing your spiritual journey is and how if you're here and you connect with us, chances are things aren't always easy. Let's use that phrase. So I'm going to do it by starting off by telling you as a story from our spiritual ancestors. This whole series is based on ancient traditions from our spiritual forefathers. So you go back 2,000 years, the Jewish community and the Christian community were the same. We called them Jews back then. So about 167, the Jew- <laughs> if anyone knows the Jewish story from that era, it's basically like conquered, get free, get conquered, get free, get conquered. It just keeps happening over and over again. So this is one of those iterations where they got conquered and they're about to get freed, but when they got conquered, it was by the Syrians, it was really bad. And the reason I picked this one is because it, it felt a little bit like what we deal with today. And I'm going to be a bit controversial. I just want to go out on a limb and thank the government for letting us have the religious freedom to meet right now. 
bunch of people who are partially masked. If you're drinking, you're maybe unmasked. Together in a room, people yelling at each other while singing, me talking really loud in a pandemic. They could have shut this thing down and it would have made some sense. But they didn't. So on behalf of all the religious people in the world, Kenny, if you're watching me right now, thanks, buddy. Really appreciate you doing this. And the reason I thought so much about this is because what would it be like to not have this? What would it be like to not only not have this gathering, but to have this be outlawed? I've never experienced that in my lifetime. But the Jews were taken over by the Syrians and for whatever reason, this time they said, nothing. You can't practice your religion at all. It got even so bad. So in the Jewish community of that time, they did all their religious work in a temple. Nicer than this. This is a pretty nice temple. But it was nicer than this one. The Syrians came in and basically destroyed the temple so they couldn't even have a place to do their spiritual practices. That's brutal, isn't it? For three years and six months, they lived like that. We've got two years into this pandemic. For three years and six months, they were locked down, couldn't move, no freedom. And they had enough. This little nation of Israel had enough and they revolted and they finally broke free of the Syrians. Just like, you know, the final day when the Syrians walked out was just like, oh, thank, finally, we have freedom again. And the very first thing they did, the very first thing they wanted to do is something that actually is shown. If you're here live with us today, I want you all to look up, see that little crowny looking thing? If you look inside there, there's a little light Right in the middle, right in the middle, right here. Can you see it? There's a little bitty light there. It's called the eternal light. And it was their idea that that represented them and the divine being connected. And they would light it and keep it lit forever. And that's the thing they extinguished. It was like the symbol that everything that they loved was taken away from them. And so the first thing they wanted to do when they got free well, the first thing I'm going to do when I get free of this pandemic is I'm burning my, all my masks. If you want to come to my house, we're going to like light them on fire. I'm never wearing a mask again. It's done. Whatever. They wanted to light their light. And so they scrounged around into the temple, like the kind of the ruins of what was left. And they found the oil they needed to light that light, to light the symbol of hope again. They found one jug. They figured it was enough for one day. Wouldn't that be a kick in the gut? For three years and six months, you fought this thing. You're finally free. You finally get to do whatever you want. You finally have freedom. And the one thing you want to do, you have enough oil for one day, and it's going to take you seven days to make new oil. You're going to light it, and the whole time you're lighting, instead of thinking, oh, man, I finally, we have finally have freedom again to do what it is we need to do to connect to the divine again. But the whole time you'd be thinking, it's going out in 24 hours. This is done. 
This is like when the pandemic, when one of the waves goes down and they're like, hey, all the rules are gone, yay. And then they're like two days later, like, okay, we're on lockdown. You're like, God. It's even worse because you felt the freedom. You felt hope. So they cracked open the jug, poured it into the lamp, lit it. They're like, we're just gonna have one day where we can connect to something deeper. The next day they came back, the light was still lit. So they took the jug that they thought was gonna be empty, there's only enough for one day, and they poured it in and it filled it up for another day. Next day, they filled it up again, still. They thought they would only have enough oil for one day. It lasted for seven days. They never had to experience the moment where they had religious freedom, they had hope, and then it died. Finally, the people who make olive oil that burns, I have no clue how this works. They magically came bringing a new jug of oil that they could light the lamp. And so the Jewish community, in, in celebrating religious freedom, and celebrating this moment of transcendence, they light a candle, or actually a candelabra. You probably know as a menorah. If you all look this way, you see those kind of pipe-looking things on the wall? If you look at the top, you realize there's seven kind of branches. Imagine that's a candelabra, and there'd be seven candles on top. It's a menorah. They use it on Hanukkah to celebrate the time that the oil didn't run out. But for me, they celebrate religious freedom. After three years and six months, I'm going to imagine what would it be like to not be able to do anything you wanted for three years and six months and then you finally get the green light to go ahead. I was at a lecture one time and the guy, I tried to look his name up, I couldn't find it. He asked this profound question. He said, now that you can do anything, now that we can do anything, what are you going to do? What do you do with your religious freedom? Now that we can do anything. My wife got me onto this amazing podcast. That's been one of those podcasts that's it's entertaining, but it basically is telling the story of my growing up life in the church. I grew up in a really religious family, so we were at church all the time. The podcast is called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Now, Mars Hill Church was a church that at its heyday was 15,000 people. That's a big church. Now, it was fascinating, though, as I, as I listened to this podcast, and the church actually blew up, for lack of a better term. Their leader resigned, and the whole thing fell apart in weeks. But as Haiti, I kept coming home, and we'd be like, oh, babe, what? <laughs> we listen to the podcast today? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally, totally. Because you know what? Growing up, I realized from this podcast, we didn't have religious freedom. We had freedom to practice our religion, but my tradition was very, very, very rigid. We were joking, we had a board meeting this week with our board, and before we kind of started the meeting, everyone was there a little bit early, and, and we somehow got onto the topic of growing up, what things did your church tell you you couldn't do? 
Some of us were very church, some of us were a little bit church. And it was funny going around the room. For our, our community, drinking. Oh, it was like the cardinal sin. If you drank a beer, it's like the worst thing you could possibly do. One of the other guys is like, oh, we, had, we could drink at like youth group and stuff like that. I was like, what? <laughs> Think about it. Now, whether you're, you grew up in a church like me and you're kind of following the Mars Hill or maybe you, you have no church, maybe your church, what you know about spirituality is from the Simpsons, Ned Flanders. <laughs> what does Ned Flanders say you can't do? You can't drink. Another one in my, my tradition, sex before marriage. I'm telling you, if you, and I don't even know how they define sex. I don't act, I have a whole thing with that, but whatever. If you possibly had sex before somebody said you're legally married, oh, it was the end of the world. And when I listen to the, the Mars Hill, he is railing on people. At one point, he's standing up on the, on the stage, screaming at his crowd, saying, do not have sex before marriage. You know what he did to the people who had sex before marriage in his community? Ostracized them. He kicked them out. Think about, it's okay. Elliot loves my voice. He's just pretending right now. We love him. He's literally one of the cutest kids I've ever seen, but... Mars Hill had this whole system that said, if you don't behave the way we want you to, if you don't believe the tenets we want you to, here's an interesting one, if you're sexually attracted to a gender that we don't want you to be sexually attracted to, if you are a female and you want to work outside your home and have a career, if you believe differently, if you behave differently, if you have a past that we don't even like, you're out. There's religious freedom. Oh, legally, yes. But there's no religious freedom in that community. And if I'm honest, there was no religious freedom in my community growing up either. And chances are, some of you are going, yeah, I know that one. We have this story that we used to tell around here. We haven't told it for a long time, but it speaks to religious freedom, but more, how do we get to religious freedom? Because it seems like we would be like the Israelites, right? We, we push the Assyrians out of our country, and then we get to do whatever we want, but that's not how it felt for me, and chances are it didn't feel that way for you. The way we describe it is with a story that starts like this. Imagine yourself in a beautiful meadow. Green, lush, and there's an old amusement park in the meadow. People are on the rides, blah, 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 screaming kids. There's cotton candy. And for many people, it's heaven. It's beautiful. It's the most amazing thing you could possibly imagine. And for them, that's traditional church growing up. That might even be church right now. It's Mars Hill. It's 15,000 people strong. But for some of us, for some reason, when we look at the meadow and we look at that amusement park, we realize the rides are kind of squeaking. The paint's kind of chipping. And the grass doesn't look that green. 
And either we say, you know, something about this doesn't feel right. Or the meadow says, there's something about you that doesn't feel right. And so we end up starting to slowly go to the edge. For some reason, the meadow, it looks beautiful. It's like mostly if you can kind of like squint your eyes and kind of like ignore a bunch of things really carefully, it seems like it'd be the perfect place. As we get to the edge of the meadow and we start to look at all these people, we realize the edge of the meadow, it's a dead cliff. And for people, some people, the meadow represents their tradition, their Christian tradition, their religious rules, their, their, their culture. It's Mars Hill. It's my church growing up. And if you can fit in it, it's kind of beautiful. They have the whole system figured out, you know, your wristbands and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't fit, you can feel yourself on the edge of that cliff. Going, well, what do I do? I, the meadow is beautiful, and, and, but there's, and that doesn't, and, uh, but the cliff is like right there. For many, the lack of religious freedom in the meadow was too much. I had many friends who sat on the edge of the cliff looking over and finally just said, ah, screw it, and they jumped. Screw religion, screw spirituality. I don't fit, I'm out. They're still atheists today. I even want to talk about something more and they're like, yeah, I shut up. Some of us, though, we're on the edge of this meadow and we're trying to, like, you know, have moments where we sneak back in, you know, like where there's a conversation you kind of pretend to sidle up to the conversation, like, hey, if I just come in quietly, they won't notice I showed up. Then all of a sudden they look at you and you're like, oh, okay, back on the edge. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my bad. Some people actually kind of let their bodies go into the cliff, but they're hanging onto the edge of the cliff like this with their noses, going like, I can just maybe see inside, I could be a part of that, but I know I don't fit, but... There's this tension, right? It's exhausting being there. How do, I, how do I fit, but I don't fit, but I fit, but I'm trying to fit, but I don't fit? It's kind of like going home to a family gathering where you know you're supposed to behave a certain way, but that's not you anymore. But you do it anyways to try and fit in. It's not truly who you are. But many of us said, I, I just... I can't do it anymore. For me, one of the, excuse me, one of the big moments was in seminary. So this is getting my master's degree in religious studies. The place where you're not supposed to go to the edge of the cliff, right? I asked a question in the class, simple question. They were talking about this character that the, the tradition has called the devil. You've probably heard of him, right? I like that he's a he. Bad. And I said, just because we're studying the Bible here, can anyone just point to me where it talks about the devil? Because I'm, you know, my undergrad's in engineering, so I'm a little light on the whole religious studies portion. And I remember the whole class just looking at me like, how dare you ask that question? I remember going, 
Oh, sorry, I'll just go catch the cliff here. <laughs> My bad. Short answer, Bible doesn't talk about it. Devil is something we created. It's way later. But I couldn't ask that question. Chances are something like that happened to you. You asked the wrong question, you believed the wrong thing, you loved the wrong person, you married the wrong way, whatever it is. But now that we're on this, le- on this cliff face, we're hanging down there, we're not having to fit into the meadow anymore, what the hell do we do now? We have religious freedom, right? We can do whatever we want. We're not tied to the meadow anymore, but we're all doing this. <laughs> I can't feel the next thing. What do I do? Now that we can do anything we want, what are we going to do? This community was built for people on that cliff. Because I can't fit in the meadow either. But here's the thing. If you've experienced this feeling of being outside of the meadow, you know what being on that cliff face feels like. It's not easy. So remember I said there's good news, bad news in this message? Yeah, here's the bad news. You didn't pick the easy one. If you can fit in the meadow, much easier. They have it all figured out. There's like you start here, then you go to here, then you take this ride, then you go into that line. You just have to do what they want you to do. You'll be fine easier you all pick the harder way so if you ever wonder why it's hard sometimes you think isn't there like something can't we just uh, sorry this journey is harder you have infinite religious freedom at friend church if you look at our statement of faith, people ask, what's your statement of faith? And then we send it to them, and they're like, no, no, your statement of faith. We're like, that's it. They're like, no, no, the real one. Like the one that tells us what you believe and what we all have to believe. So essentially, what's the meadow look like? Tell me the meadow. We're like, yeah, we don't have one of those. You can't be at church without a meadow. What are you talking about? We're like, okay, really, if you want to be on a spiritual journey, and if you're going to treat each other with love, yeah, that's kind of what we got. That's the rules here. We don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, trans, poly, asexual. Did I miss any? Probably there's a few in there. There's a few more. Add those in. We don't care. We are too. We don't care if you're married, divorced, single, never married, never want to marry, married a hundred times, married to three people right now. We don't care. We don't care what you did in your past. We don't care what you're currently doing in the sense that this is your journey. There is no meadow. There's no rules that says you don't fit and you don't fit. That's the thing about Mars Hill. The whole time I was listening, I could feel this like, oh, it was just a nonstop. Okay, you don't fit. You don't fit. You out. And then we kicked them out of the church, but the church was so close knit Who you went to church with on Sunday, you had a life group on Wednesday and a men's group on Tuesday. And when you got kicked out of the church, everyone dropped you. You're not in the meadow, 
We're kicking you over the edge. 300 style. That was a reference to the movie 300, anyone? Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> I realized that was a bit of an obscure reference. It's a good movie. Everyone should go watch that movie. You'll get it when you get that. Just remember this. <laughs> Friends Church has none of that. But that's the easy part. When someone tells you what to do, that's the thing I found about this thing and the thing I want to share with you guys. Here's the thing. You guys have infinite religious freedom. I do too. It's hard. We're on the cliff trying to figure out what the heck do we do now. There's no like set pathway. It's hard. And there's no gurus. At Mars Hill, the lead pastor said, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Here's what we're all going to believe. Here's what we're going to do next. If you do this, you're out. Okay, everyone got it? Yep, I got it all figured out. Just do what I tell you to do. You'll be fine. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I'm working on trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. So not only did you guys pick the hard route, because you're not in the meadow, you picked a route with no gurus. Great. What the heck am I supposed to do with that, Klaus? And you just like the biggest bummer service of the entire year. But here's the deal. I'm in school. I've just asked, can you show me in the Bible where the devil is? They basically looked at me like I'm the devil because how dare I ask that question? And I picked up a book by a guy named Clark Pinnock. You don't need to remember his name. Don't bother reading his stuff. Although his work on the openness of God changed everything for me. I think it was one of the major steps that I took down that cliff face and was like, oh. You see, I grew up with this conception of God and you notice I'm very careful how I use these words. Conception of God. I don't say God, I say conception of God. Part of it is because of Clark Pennock's work. He conceived of a God that was different than the God I grew up with. The God I grew up with was basically the Simpsons God. Old man in the sky, you tried not to piss him off. If something went wrong, yet tried not to blame him. Pinnock said this. Actually, my conception of God doesn't know the future. My conception of God interacts with humanity, and as we make choices, God changes with those choices. I grew up with this idea that God knows everything. He's basically playing like mental chess with us all, and anything bad that happens, it's God. Anything good that happens is God. Suddenly now, instead of trying to figure out why the pandemic, why did God put a pandemic in the middle of my world, kill millions of people, why would God do that? Clark Pinnock, for the first time, opened my mind and said, wait a second, what if that's not God? And I realized, when I used the word God, it was just a conception of God. And I didn't have to have that conception of God that sent plagues, that hurt people, that didn't stop the rapes and the murders and the genocides. I didn't have to buy into that. There was other conceptions. <gasps> I'm looking at the meadow going, you liars! You told me there was only one conception! I don't like that conception. That conception feels dirty to me. Pinnock said there's a new conception. And suddenly, I realized I had religious freedom. Like you have religious freedom. 
You can conceive of God differently than you grew up with. You can conceive of your religious practice different than you grew up with. You can conceive of a place that honors who you are, exactly how you are, regardless of who you love, who you don't love, what drink you drank yesterday, I don't care. We conceived of it this way. There's a meadow and there's a cliff and then there's a ledge and we're all down on the ledge having a big party. <laughs> and we're all like, there's all these people climbing down the cliff, like freaking out. And we're like, come on down. We don't have it figured out either. So here's the first bit of good news. You're not alone. Whatever you're wrestling with, whatever you're trying to deconstruct, whatever you're trying to like wrestle through of like, I live this way. Can I still be loved? How does this work? You are not alone. You are welcome here. Regardless. Think of all the bad stuff you've done. All the stuff that makes you think if you're going to walk into church, you're going to get hit by lightning. Yep. You're welcome here. You belong here. We are together. Not the same. The meadow's the same. We're all on the cliff having a dance party. It's kind of beautiful when you look around and think, I thought I had to leave, leave the thing to work for me. But then you realize there's a whole bunch of me's down here. Okay, last bit that's really beautiful about our journeys. So as we, we talked about this, so first thing, in this, in this tradition, there's no rules, there's no gurus. There's no one's got all the answers. You've got to figure it out yourself. And that's the last thing. When I looked at the, the eternal light, remember I talked about this? The first thing they lit after the Jews got freedom, three years and six months of religious, not being able to do the religious practices, finally get to do it. If you go back into the Jewish tradition, you read the language that set up this idea of uh, eternal light. Just as a side note, I think, I'm not, I'm not a Jewish scholar, and if anyone has more knowledge than me, please correct me, but my sense of the Jewish tradition is they don't really like meadows very much. They have this thing called midrash, where they basically take a word, a phrase, an idea, and they wrestle it through any possible interpretation you can come up with. Not to try and find the right one, not to rebuild a meadow, but the, the, the kind of the wrestling is the thing. I just find that so Refreshing. And when I read The Eternal Light, one of the persons said this, when I read that phrase, what I hear is not we keep a light lit for seven days, right? That was the thing. So they're going to light the light. They don't want it to go out until they can get the new light and then they'll be able to have it lit forever. No, they said, no, every day we relight the eternal light. There's something really easy in the meadow. I noticed this when I was in Bible school. So this is before I got to my grad program. Basically, my Bible school said, this is all you need to do. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Ignore that stuff in the Bible. Don't preach that. Preach this. This is how you're going to preach it. Okay, got it? You just memorize it. Anyone grew up with a tradition that was basically just memorized? What's the rules? What do I have to do? What am I not supposed to do? What am I, what am I going to do and I have to feel guilty about? That was a common one, right? 
When I got to my grad program and I started studying the original languages, I started studying where this stuff came from. Here's the, basically the first day. All that you think was really easy, it's not. It's crazy complex, and it's not as black and white as you think. Yeah, that whole metal thing, yeah, that's an illusion. It's deeper, it's wider, and if you're willing to wrestle this through, you come out the other side with something that the meadow can never, ever give you. The meadow will give you easy. It's kind of like going to the gym and getting easy. How strong do you think you're going to get after an easy workout? But if you go on this journey, friend church style, where you realize I have religious freedom and I get to figure out what's going to work for me. I get to decide if drinking's good or drinking's not good for me. There's this, all this joke in the Mennonite tradition. Some reason those Mennonites, and um, shout out to the Mennonites in the crowd today, they hated drinking with a bloody passion. And the joke was, and this isn't a joke, this is a horrific joke, but I have to say it in my tradition. Because I'm trying to put a point on this. They said, look, a Mennonite man, as long as he doesn't drink, we don't care what he does to his wife at home at night. Because the Bible doesn't say anything about that. As long as he doesn't drink. Do you see what easy gets you? Easy gets you, oh, I just don't have to drink, but how I treat my spouse isn't important? Really? With religious freedom, you guys get to decide if you drink or not, but there's no get out of jails. There's no like, oh, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. I can do whatever I want here. No. Suddenly our whole lives are spiritual. Everything we do is spiritual. So I told you this is good news, bad news. Bad news, it's hard. There's no one who's gonna make it simple for you because simple doesn't work. The good news is you're not alone. And if you're willing to do this work, if you're willing to dig through your life and figure out what works for you, what doesn't. For some people, drinking's no problem. Next person, they're not Mennonite, but they can't drink. Some of us are Mennonite. I drink. But you know what? Lately, how I pass people in the street has become important to me. How I use my spare time. I can't just go to the mountains all the time and have fun. How do I share my life and make the world around me better? Suddenly, that becomes important. In the meadow, don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So if you guys are willing to do this journey, I'm sorry it's hard, and you're welcome it's hard. Because in the hard, we get the depth. We get the ownership. And we get the nuanced spiritual journey that is unique to each and every one of us. Like a perfect suit that fits, not that one-size-fits-all nonsense. So as we go forward, as we, Hanukkah's over, that was a couple months ago, as, we, as you come into this space and you look at the eternal light, as you look at the menorahs on the wall, how to remind you, you have as much religious freedom as you want. This is not a meadow. It will never be a meadow. And that sucks, because sometimes it'd be easier if you could just have someone tell you what to do. I am not your guru. Jeff is not your guru. We're guides. Clark Pinnock was my guide. But there's no one who's got this figured out. You have to figure this out for yourself. But if you're willing to, 
the depth of journey you will get from this practice is deeper and wider than anything someone can give to you one size fits all. Jewish community said, we light the light, the eternal light every day. Your spiritual journey isn't something that lives in a meadow that happens on Sunday that's told to you by a guru. It's something that is unique as you are that you have to do the hard work on. But if we do this every day, the depth and breadth of this practice knows no bounds. And that's what I want to invite you to this year. A journey like that. Amen? Ooh, I like the old school amen at the end. Wasn't that nice? <laughs> My preacher buddies would be liking that one. Okay, before I go, I just want to say thank you. It's great to see you. Uh, we're starting a new series next week. It's called Transcendence. First thing, there's the physical plane. We're all familiar with that. This is basically physics, can explain most of it for us. But have you ever had those moments where something more felt like it happened? I used to have a friend where I would, you know, I'll, since she'd come to my, I'd call her. She'd be like, oh, yeah, I was expecting your call. Like, how do you, what do you mean? You're, how did, people talk to me about something happening in their lives and they're just like, man. When I go to give blood, I'm, Jeff got me into donating plasma so I can give every two weeks. When they stick the needle in me and I see the blood come out, the first thing I think is, this is bigger and wider than just me sitting in a chair giving blood. You can sometimes see it in the look of the eyes of the person you love. And there's just something beyond the physical. I don't even know what it is. I call it transcendence. It's an ancient word that means more than the physical. We're here not for a physics lesson. We're not here for just a psychology lesson. We're not here for a sociology lesson. We're here for all of that and something more than that. There's something in, in Gregory's song, in a point of Gregory, there's some imagery of love coming like a, a dead man out of the grave. Did you read that line? Austin, I just had this feeling of like a zombie apocalypse of love. And I was like, holy crap, that was so crazy, right? <laughs> and I was like, wait, zombie apocalypse of love, is that a thing? Okay, whatever. But it's transcendent. And there's ways to do transcendence that's beautiful. Not airy-fairy, not meadow style where it's like, this is what you have to believe. It's your moments in your way. And we start talking with them next week. So I want to encourage you guys to come out. Again, light the light every week. Light the light every day. This is part of lighting it. Have a great week, everyone. Love you guys. See you next week.